According to Finances Online, the online dating industry has come a long way from its humble beginnings in 1959. At that time, two Stanford students matched 49 pairs of men and women using a punch card questionnaire processed by an IBM 650 mainframe computer. You know, one of those computers that we all grew up seeing, a computer that took up the whole room, not those small ratty computers that just sat on your desk that helped you out with homework and allowed you to play the Oregon Trail all day. But right now, especially over the last 10 years, dating has become big business. And America has $1.43 billion created around online dating revenue, with Tinder being number one, Bumble being second, Match being third, eHarmony being fourth, and OkCupid being fifth. We have a lot to say, and there's a lot being said about online dating. On today's podcast, we want to have a deeper conversation about what online dating is, how it's changed and impacted us, and what is the future of dating in America. What's going on? Welcome to another episode of the Love God, Love Sex podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Heath Maxwell, joined by your other host. What's good, everybody? It's Jamie. And today on Love God, Love Sex, we're talking about Tender Love, the Bumblebees, mm-hmm. eHarmony, Match.com, J-Date, Christian Mingle. <laughs> otherwise all the classes online dating yeah uh it's estimated that by the end of this year there will be 413 million active users worldwide on date naps and as people increasingly are looking for love online dating has become a popular tool for finding a mate but is securing love And what some would call a truncated process, is that good? Are there any setbacks or pitfalls to coupling in this way? In this episode, that's what we're getting into. That's what we're exploring. Some of the main beats we're going to be touching on today are, like, what's the process for online dating? Are there any risks and benefits of finding love through these apps? And the impact online dating has had on our dating culture. Heath, my man, you're you're in a committed relationship. You've already got your ball and chain. <laughs> Do you have any experience with online dating? Uh no, I, I haven't. No, no, not at all. So you weren't active in any AOL chat rooms or no Black Planet, no MySpace, because you know that was the alpha testing for what we know the you know online dating is today. Yeah, I I mean, like many other people in my age group, you know, I I experimented with AOL Instant Messenger in MySpace. I met women, you know, online and then I met them offline, but I never had the same speedy results (laughs) you get with (laughs) Tinder and Bumble where you're seeing text to meet to bedroom outcomes. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, 
I didn't have that. And to me, when I think back to it and all the stories I was hearing at the time, Mijente was another one, high five. You know, I didn't think that was happening like that. I mean, I knew people met and hooked up, but not, again, with the speeds that you're seeing today. Oh, nah, bro. Nah, cats were cats were definitely sealing the deal within 24 hours back then. I just mm. think, you know, those operations were a little bit more under the radar, like a kind of cloak and dagger and not necessarily as overt as it is now. Like today, there are, you know, actual apps expressly mm. dedicated and designed for that kind of hookup dynamic. And it, they don't necessarily require the same kind of lengthy conversations as other apps did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, you bring up a point. I mean, I, I never had a strong text game. It's not where I excel. Uh, you know, I'm coming to mind with a book, Captivate by Vanessa Van Edwards, and she mm-hmm. talks about this. A great, By the way, it's a great book on communication and body language for anyone interested in that. And in this book, she states that people should engage with others in the environments that they're comfortable with. So, right, some people excel at the bar lounge environment, but not the boardroom. Others right. excel at, you know, black tie events, mm-hmm. but not at, like, cookouts or more, you know, relaxed, informal uh, places. They, they get maybe more shy. So, for me, I am not an online guy. I love talking to people. I love getting to know people face-to-face, engaging with people in, in IRL, right, in real life. You're not a Twitter fingers. No, I'm not a Twitter fingers. And I heard people saying that years ago. People were getting at people on Twitter, which to me right. was like confusing. Like, huh? How would you lay a rap down in a 140 character thread or even in like a DM? It just didn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, like I, I get eHarmony, right? eHarmony makes sense because it's designed to facilitate long-term connection. And I know about five couples that met on that app and are still together. So that makes sense to me. But with these others, I'm just confused about how the process goes from texting to meeting to bedroom, or in some cases, texting to bedroom. It just seems like cats are skipping the whole meeting, like, <laughs> I'll meet you when you open the door to your apartment. And then, then we're just going to go right from there, right, to getting down to business. Uh, so, you know, I'm just confused by that. I mean, you have been active in this world. How does, like, how does this work? Well, I mean, essentially, since you're a face-to-face or FaceTime IRL in real life person... It's essentially the same thing that you're doing. It's just facilitated online. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you're talking with somebody, which it can be really benign. And y'all could just be talking about today's weather or, you know, what kind of clothes people like. Or you can get into deeper issues. I think to your point, normally when you're face to face, you have this added layer of body language as well. That's another layer of communication. Absolutely. Absolutely that you're saying you kind of specialize in, like you like to be able to see that. So, you know, maybe I, you know, touched a nerve and I probably shouldn't have said that. Or let me, you know, kind of redirect the conversation to another place. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, But you know what I mean? Like it's, it's the same thing online. It just depends on, you know, what you want to get to know about somebody and where you're trying to take the interaction. So for some, they may have the goal in mind to, you know, ultimately sleep with somebody. And anytime they're interacting with this person online, whenever they're having conversation, they're planting seeds with each interaction. You know what I mean? And so sometimes the seeds take root immediately because that other person may have the same goal. Like they may be trying to get smashed that night. So the energy is just there for that. Other times 
it might require more of a lengthy conversation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think a good example of engaging in environments where you're comfortable is that some people, like you said, they they specialize in this digital arena. They mm-hmm. know how to pick up on certain cues um, or, or they just specialize in this short time span or like a two minute drill. Like you give some quarterbacks 15 minute quarters and they don't know what to do with it. But, you know, they yeah. come down to that two minute drill and they could just be clutch. They find every receiver coming off their route and they could just hit it. Bam, 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 bam. Yeah. Other people, they need a little bit more time to lay that game down to see it come to fruition. That's all part of the process. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's take it a step further. Elaborate because in what we'll call them lightning rounds. (laughs) 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 Are people jumping right into the sex or, you know, to what you're saying, do you, so you just made the point, right? So are, are they jumping right into the sex or trying to gain more and then go to a, click, a quicker close? It could be either or. Again, I think it just depends on, to your point about, you know, this this environment. If they're good in that environment, they might be able to do that. But there's like a Got whole it. science, you know, to kind of gauging what somebody's looking for based on what kind of pics they post, what kind of the types of interest that they list. Even, you know, how small their profile message is. Like some people, if they're not necessarily interested in, you know, a whole lot of conversation, their profile message might say something like, if you want to know more, just ask. Because they're not trying to incite a whole bunch of back and forth. Whereas when others really wanted you to get to know them before you meet and ultimately beat, you know, they'll have a whole bunch of info on hobbies places they like to travel, musical genres that they enjoy because they want you to ask questions. They're hoping that, you know, you're seeing some of these things that they like to do and you will start to ask questions. But oftentimes you could just get a feel for what somebody's looking for if you know how to study profile. Like I said, like there's a whole science to this thing. Yeah, you know, I remember first hearing about the text game kind of concept from a Nancy Joe sales article. Who's one of my favorite uh, writers. Uh, mm-hmm. This was written back in September, 2015. It was actually an article she wrote about Tinder when Tinder was really getting big. I think it was about four or five years into Tinder's uh, reign. Uh, it's about 10 years now, right? Uh, 11 now. And one of the people in the article that she was in- interviewing said that he slept with 30 to 40 women per year. You know, he was on Tinder, but he liked hinge and, but he was known for his text game. He said, I sort of play that I could be a boyfriend kind of guy, quote unquote, in order to win them over. And then, but then they start wanting me to care more and I just don't. So in the words of Cornell <laughs> West, is the mendacity the way to the bedroom for the most part? I mean, do you have to kind of like beguile and carry on in that way? Yeah, for some people they have to. You know, I, I know men who definitely lied to get in the bedroom. Uh, whether that be from selling a dream of a long-term partnership, you know, like they're telling women that they want to get to know them and that they really want to see where things could go. But it's like the article said, you sleep with that many women or you pull that many women. It's like when they ask you for more, you're just like, eh, I don't necessarily want to get into all of that. Or it's like (laughs) your man Bobby Brown on two could play that game. It's like, Oh, you know, I've been hurt before, so I got to be careful with my heart. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but yeah, so like exactly. I said, they could either be selling a dream or could they, they could be on there stunting, you know, showing off their monetary or material wealth. 
Um, and you know, women do the same. Like I remember I met a girl once who would just belabored the point about how all of the guys she was meeting on these apps were just trying to get in their pants. They didn't really want to know her. But the first night that we met, and this couldn't have been after, you know, three or four days of talking on the app, we go out for a nice dinner. Then we had like a nightcap at this bar. And by the end of the night, we split in the cab home and she's trying to like top me off in the bar, in the cab. Mm. So it's like, you know, women, I think women are doing the same thing. Um, mm. So it's happening on both sides. But I think it's just I think the reason is because of how our society has tried to like police our sex practices. You know, no one should feel like they have to should have to lie to get sex or have whatever kind of sex they want to have, even if it's within a 24 hour period of meet of meeting somebody. Mm. You know, I think that's just the rebellious act of for so long having to deal with you know, narratives like if you do try to have sex in this kind of way, you're promiscuous and all these other negative ideals that come along yeah, with that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that makes um, a sense. I think I'm still confused. Right? <laughs> you have to explain more to me offline. Uh, so, but I do wonder what are some of the benefits and risks of online dating, of using these apps? Uh, well, I think, you know, people are looking for love in this digital age. You know, everybody's locked into their mobile device and their gadgets. They're swiping to try to secure dates and mates. And that's, that's, it is a tool, you know, not necessarily the tool, but it's a go-to for a lot of people because again, they're locked into their phone and their gadget. So like everything else, it's happening digitally, you know, mm -hmm. was there a time, like, can you remember a time when you weren't seeing anybody or you weren't in a committed relationship. You wanted to meet people, but you didn't want to necessarily go to the club or the library or the church or, you know, wherever people find potential mates. Apps yeah. are just like an automated matchmaker. They facilitate the process of you meeting people, setting up dates. And, you know, you also get to do a lot of due diligence on people on the front end, which I think a lot of people have said that that's one of the benefits that they like. Yeah, you get the opportunity to research, do background checks, almost like you would a potential employee if you were <laughs> an employer, you know? I'm here for the job of uh, smashing. <laughs> I'm here for the job of rearranging <laughs> those guts. <laughs> exactly. Here's my CV, here's my portfolio. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Name a time when you had a difficult time smashing. Oh, let me tell you. Oh, <laughs> And what did you do in that scenario? You know, uh, that's fascinating because you you highlight, I think, a lot of good points. And with the, you know, but I also see kind of some of the risks there. Like, like when I was uh, doing some research for this episode, one of the things that came out is that 55% of the people that date online have experienced some form of threat or problem ranging mm. from IT security incidents. I guess people are hacking people's phones to meeting up with people that didn't didn't turn out to be who they claimed or be mm -hmm. rejected by potential matches. Yep, a lot of catfishes uh, out there. Yep. Yeah, they say twice as many males, uh, male online daters said their device has been infected with malware or spyware or ransomware. You know, I wonder if that's like also dudes at shady porn sites. Then oh, absolutely, because you because you see the type of people <laughs> that they clicking on. Yes, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
you know, 13% of men had been sent phishing emails that claimed to be from an online dating site compared to just, you know, 7% of women. And 15% of women said they had been involved in a conversation that made them feel uncomfortable compared to just 10% of men. So, you know, I know that's an issue. And then there was this issue with OKCupid uh, brought out in like 2014, uh, you know, which showed that 82% of non-black men on OKCupid show some bias against black women. Hmm. And similarly, Asian men's dating profiles are consistently rated the lowest by single women using online dating sites. So there seems to be some risks there and obviously biases. And I've actually seen in prep for this episode and just the work that we do scholarly articles written about Tinder and other apps where they're really trying to dig into some of the biases people say they have against a particular ethnicity or race. Mm-hmm. And those, those, those scholarly articles get very, very interesting. And one of the things they did say is that what some people call biases or issues against dating someone from a different race are really highlighting class issues. And again, that's a whole uh, episode sometime in the future to talk about that. But, you know, Jay, do you have any stories where you felt online dating was risky or worse, dangerous? Yeah, to even just to add to what you were talking about, even more recently with the metaverse, like I remember there was an article about a woman who complained about sexual violence there. So it's like it's definitely happening, you know, all across the digital sphere. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I, I definitely had somebody invite me over for our first meetup. You know what I mean? This, we probably talked for a couple of days on the app. They didn't want to go out. I remember like wintertime. It was cold. And they were like, I want to see you, but I don't want to go out. So, you know, <laughs> can you just can you just come over? I, I mean, maybe they just felt more comfortable being at home. Maybe they were an introvert. Who yeah. knows the reasons why? But to your point, yeah, there can definitely be some danger. Um, mm. I remember in that instance, I intentionally did not drink because I just didn't have that level of rapport with them. Like it felt risky to be in somebody's home in the first place. But I wanted to just be extra cautious and extra aware. So I just, you know, I stayed sober mm. um, and I made it out in one piece, but not being oh, able to were relax. There. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you were packed in ice in a, in a bathtub, some strange no, place with a note. But I was worried about that because at one point she's like, yo, I wanted to go to the, she wanted to go to the restroom, which she did, but she was gone for like, like 15, 20 minutes, bro. And I'm wow. sitting in there like looking around, seeing what items are close, just in case I need to, you know, hit <laughs> somebody, somebody in the head up. if they jump out. I'm planning my escape room. Goons come to the door. Yes. Uh, excuse me, are you Jimmy? No, all of that. Wrong all guy. That. But but that's what I mean. It's like not being able to completely relax can definitely make you feel like there's danger in the scenario. Uh, but mm-hmm. you know that can happen in public too, because I also remember meeting a woman. First time we meet, and I mean at handshakes, bro. She's telling me, I'm just letting you know I left my wallet in my car because I expect you to pay for everything. Mm. And that felt incredibly unsettling. And and you know, not to be dramatic and say I felt unsafe, but I definitely felt unsafe, you know, because the the night didn't end well. Well, for her. Well, whoa, <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> what, wait, wait, wait. what do you what do you mean by that like how did the date end for her son we after, so after she said that 
I had already made up in my mind that I was there. I wasn't just going to walk out, even though I was turned off enough to do that. Yeah. But we ate, we drank, we had a great time, we kicked it. And it was like when the bill came, I asked for separate checks. And I just asked her, you know, if she wanted me to walk her to her car to get her wallet. And, you know, she royally <laughs> cursed me out. <laughs> and she berated me and told me I wasn't a real man and all these different. And that's when I felt unsafe. Mm. Because... You know, as a man, I'm like, I could respond to this with very masculine energy, not not toxic masculine energy, but very masculine energy. When somebody's coming at you like that, you get defensive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you basically want to meet the energy with the same kind of energy. So I was initially, that's what I was feeling, but I felt unsafe to be able to do that. So... Mm. That's the reason why I say it can happen in public too. Uh, but that wasn't a date to me, you know? It was a meetup. And so I didn't feel any obligation to pay. Like I was just like, it'd be different if we had known each other, if I knew I liked her and I asked her out. But this was just our first meeting. Well, you know, and that's just the difference between now and 30 or 40 years ago, right? Because mm -hmm. most times when mm -hmm. you did go out with someone, you had gain knowledge and understanding to a larger extent of their personality and background. Right. So you made decisions about spending time or being with them on the front end. Mm -hmm. And we know that wasn't a perfect case back then, right? People did get hurt on these dates. I mean, and there were assaults and there was other things that are major issues that were going on back then as well. But your story speaks to, I think some of the challenges of connecting digitally than compared to before. Sometimes people would have vetted that kind of personality out of their dating conveyor belt and said, okay, that doesn't work for me. Let's get this person out of the rotation and put, get somebody in here who I think I can just kind of match with or maybe more suitable because you would have had IRL experience with them as opposed to just understanding words coming you know, on a screen via text. You know, what ways do you think or do you believe online dating has, has impacted our coupling practices and mating culture, kind of just expanding upon that, expounding upon that or building on that rather? Uh, well, I think everything is accelerated, you know, we're in a microwave society. So people want this instant gratification. Everything is now at your fingertips now. And the idea of taking your time to get to know someone isn't necessarily as appealing when you can basically curate and, and Uber Eats a mate, you know, <laughs> but that's, that's also the convenience that some people like, um, you know, we're from an era where most of the people you met were through mutual friends, like either y'all yeah, went to sure. school together or y'all grew up together or, you know, whatever the circumstances is like y'all knew yeah, each other. So, so you didn't have to do a whole lot of digging about somebody. Yeah. There's calibration on the, end. on the front end. Right. Yeah. Nowadays, you know, I hear mostly about people connecting over a mutual preference. You know, we both like to travel or, you know, we're both African-American or this race or this ethnicity or, you know, we both hate Trump or we loved Obama or, you know, whatever the mutual preference is. But that's definitely one of the ways apps have impacted our dating culture. Uh, mm. It's very he heavy on the preference. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Preference heavy, I think, is is the best way, the best phrase to describe these apps. And there appears to be little room for the interruption of difference because, you know, I think in some of the IRL experiences, how many people 
have did you meet over the course of your maturation from you know childhood to young adulthood to to manhood to adult you know uh being a grown person paying bills where you heard stories of people were like oh that person wasn't on my radar or i typically don't go for people like that but i ended up mm -hmm. with my spouse right so right how do we create room for difference to you know, I guess to, to really enjoy these serendipitous connections that end up being fortuitous for us, that end up being ideal for us, but we don't see that because we're so stuck in our preferences, our height preferences, our weight preferences, our preferences of school, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I just think that's, this preference thing is uh, is great, but I can see where it definitely goes wrong. Oh, for sure. Uh, and I also think because porn has become like a bigger and more public influence, people don't necessarily feel the need to build relationships and connect long-term. Mm. You know, the casual hookup culture is really, really popular. And, you know, the dating pool is just like a really big tent with all of these different desired outcomes and goals for the people that are in it. You know, how do you tell somebody who is thirsty, hey, you should just actually use your tap and boil the water for about 30 minutes and then refrigerate it for an hour and that'll be the best quality water for you. Like who wants to sit around and do that when the bodega is right there on the corner, mm. you know? So it's like this idea of process um, is just not as appealing as it once was. Yeah, I can see that. I guess my thing is, do we see a decline because we're not committed to long-term uh, outcomes anymore? So, you know, this idea that if people don't invest in the long term and grow together, what will happen to the fabric of couplehood in America? Or maybe people don't think there's a value in those traditional models anymore, these long term models? Uh, well, I think, you know, if we're talking about how apps have changed our culture, that's one of the like biggest and most glaring ways is like because everything is so preference driven and that's that's the approach to relationships. You know, it is kind of breaking down couplehood in America. People are, mm. they don't necessarily, they're not thinking about long term. But you know, you, you can't treat a person or approach connecting like you would a job. It's not 100% pragmatic in that way. You know, it's matters of the heart that we're talking about. So mm. because love isn't linear and it's not developed in a short period of time. Like it, re it requires some time. It requires some trial and error, some research. Uh, and I'm not talking about Google searching, like <laughs> what you would normally do in a background check for people. I mean, like mm. literally interacting with a person, getting to know things about them, what they like, what they don't like, uh, being challenged. And, and, but at the, at the same time, being improved, like these are the things that go into building something long-term. But mm. if that's not what people are looking for, then yeah, that will have some decline and you will mm. see more short-term relationships. And, and again, some people like that convenience. You'll see that in, you know, a lot in the dating world. Like you'll see I'm here for a good time, not a long time. You'll see that on a lot mm. of people's profiles. You know what I'm saying? So uh, if... If long-term is what you want, you got to put in the time. But this is just another way that online dating has impacted our culture. I think it's taught people that the long-haul relationship doesn't have to be aspirational. You don't have to desire that. 
And mm. it's not it's not a way that you have to think anymore. You don't have to be thinking about your forever. Mm. No forever. Just right now. And right now could be just as fruitful or rich as a long haul. I think that's the argument people are making. Or that's right. That's what they're the, trying to break. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This is this gives me what I need for now. And I'm okay with that. You know, I don't need, you know, a 30 year mortgage and being settled down with all this debt debt, excuse me, in order for me to feel planted and produce fruit where I'm at. Right. Yeah, that's that's a very fascinating turn. And I think that's something, especially in the last decade, with the rise of these apps, right? You know, I, I think 4G and uh, smartphones changed our lives considerably and now has made, you know, the, the mating ritual so much different than what we've even known the last several, you know, centuries. Forget even like decades. We're talking about centuries and in some cases, millennia. You know, mm-hmm. mating rituals have always been vast and, and enjoyable. So I think you've made some really great points there. And I think there's so much to say about this topic. We, we may have to do a part two. Because <laughs> maybe I'll, I'll have a better sense of what a text game is and not be such a dullard in, in that way. <laughs> it's not as hard as you think, bro. I promise. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, just taking all of the words that you would normally say out your mouth and putting them on paper. Yeah, I, I, I guess. Right. It's like, I, you know, should have been a script writer. I don't know. Dazzling dialogue. <laughs> By, 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 by Heath Maxwell. Actually, I think there is a book called Dazzling Dialogue. Anyway, uh, we want to always extend an opportunity for people to reach out to us. Let us know what they think about the episode. We welcome feedback, show suggestions, and other ideas. If you want to email us, you, we can be reached at connect at lovegodlovesexpodcast.net. Again, it's connect at lovegodlovesexpodcast.net. Thanks for being here. And before you go, we just want to let you know, wherever you're at in your dating and romance and love journey, own your story. We say that the mission of this podcast is to create a safe and brave space for people to create and feel like they've moved along in their journey of self-acceptance and healing for their own, in their own conception of sex and intimacy. So don't live in a life where you're going to be judged, whether you're in a short-term relationship or long-term haul relationship. We want to make sure that you are finding spaces and creative ways to embrace yourself, love yourself, and learn more about who you are. That's it for this week. Thanks again for listening. See you next episode. Take care. Peace.